Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. Hey, so uh, welcome out again. Um, today is a special day uh, in the life of our church. We, we started this, I don't know if we'll do it every year or not, but uh, maybe we'll do it in between or whenever. Uh, we feel like the Lord wants us to do it, but... If you're here today, today is a special day. Obviously, this, the stage looks a little different than it normally would. So today is a time where we're taking out uh, from our normal Sunday gathering and celebrating and talking about what Jesus has done actually in our lives. We've, we've already mentioned this idea of the gospel or the good news about Jesus multiple times this morning. Here's the good news about the good news. It's real. We get to live what we believe. Jesus actually will encounter our lives and change them forever. I was telling someone before the service, and they agreed. Of course, we would all agree. We all have our stuff, do we not? We all have, like, baggage in our past. We all have stuff in our present. We all have trials. We all have difficulty. We all have celebrations. We all have love and fear and discontentment and peace and this mix of things in our lives. And so we hope this morning that as you hear from these very brave ladies sharing their stories, thank you this morning, by the way, for being willing to do that. Uh, we hope that you maybe can find some of your story in there with them because all of these things are common to us. And I hope that as they share their stories, you'll hear the, the story of his story, God's story, the real story of the gospel. It doesn't stop with the history of the Bible. The Lord is very real and very present, and Jesus is who he says he is right here, right now. We're going to talk about that today. So what you're going to see is we're going to show videos where we've interviewed them, and they've shared their story sort of in a nutshell. And then we're going to unpack those together, and I'll ask them some questions. And I would encourage you, if you connect with one of them, maybe after the service, let them know that. Ask more about their story. I'm sure they'll be glad uh, to talk more about Jesus with you. I have no doubt. So we're going to start with Lauren Eunice, and her story will be coming up on the screens right now. I ended up in the hospital when I was 18 for an eating disorder. I was diagnosed with anorexia. And it was eventually decided that, you know, if she doesn't get, like, force-fed, things could get worse and her organs could sh start shutting down. And I knew I needed to get better and I needed help, but I didn't really want it. Like, I really just didn't mind uh, you know, if I didn't make it, which seems a really careless thing to say about your own life. But that's where I was. I was really hopeless. I was on a pediatric floor and they had a group of artists and musicians and painters and weavers um, come around every week and they would share art and encourage the people on my floor to create. I think I was always kind of drawn to creative pursuits. But the first time I remember really like sitting down and drawing was 
when I had like nothing else to do um, in the hospital. I don't think I noticed it at the time that it would be something that stayed with me, but I think there was an association created between feeling like in a really dark place and then using art to sort of lift me out of that. And I kind of just stuck with it. Like I got out of the hospital and I always just kept painting to express. So I continued making art through college and I was uh, better, but still something was missing. I needed a change again and I went to Peru for three months and taught English. And it sounds so cliche, but it is so true. That experience like totally changed me. God started pursuing me and I didn't know I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know why I could name it that. But when I got home, I just felt this sense that something really inward was redirecting. And when I got back, um, my mom gave me a Bible. And um, some, something started happening. Like, as I, the more I read the Bible, the more I was like, oh, this is what I was looking for. The turning point was really gradual. Um, I realized. Yeah, art made me happy, but it didn't bring me fundamental joy. Um, being better and being healthier, it makes you happy, but it doesn't bring you fundamental hope. So finding Jesus who, who brings you fundamental joy and hope and peace that, that transcends whatever your circumstances are, that is the thing that was missing. I just didn't know what to call it until I found it. Having Christ in my life now, it gives everything else that I do the right purpose. I want God to be glorified by what I do. So do I create work that's wholesome? Do I create work that's inspirational? Do I create work that brings joy to people? Can people see God through not just work, but how I live my whole life? When I see people respond positively to that, Maybe they don't know it, but a seed is being planted in this kind of subtle way that I don't have any control over. I just want to be a catalyst for people seeing light. I'm so satisfied with what I'm doing and the fact that I get to share art with people and the fact that like you can go buy it and see it in a store. Like that's a place I never thought, you know, I would ever be at. I just look back on my life and, and everything has changed. Like a quartzy life, my business has, has turned into a business and I'm really grateful for that and I wanna see it continue to grow. But at the end of the day, I have to give like all the glory to God for even allowing me to be here today to see it happen and to have the opportunity to share it with people. And thank you for sharing your story with us, Lauren. You um, you mentioned your 
struggles with eating disorder and uh, sort of the the hopelessness that was in your life at that time. I, I'm grateful for you sharing that. Um, it's not something many people are willing to talk about. Uh, so, so thank you for that. Would you, would you mind talking a little bit maybe about what you believe could have led to that eating disorder? And what would you say? Oh, you need a microphone. Big game, James, in the clutch. Thank you, sir. Um, what, what, what would you say to someone also who maybe is facing a similar situation right now? Uh, would you speak, maybe speak to them a little bit? Yeah. Um, there are a lot of things that go into that, and you're right. It is something that's very hard to mm. talk about unless there is some kind of redemption surrounding it, yeah. Um, yeah. which I now have in Christ. I mean, that's the only reason I think I'm able to talk about it and share it at this point. Um, but at the core of it was an identity issue. Um, mm. I didn't grow up in a with a strong family structure around me that would have told me I was loved and worthy mm. and valuable. And um, so that is a story in and of itself. But inevitably, from not growing up in a in an environment that cultivated um, a healthy sense of self, yeah. by the time I was like 15, 16, 17, 18, I started acting out in different ways, and the the one that sort of got me or consumed my life was um, an eating disorder because it was the only thing I had the feeling that I had any control over. Mm. Um, and then it just became this kind of monster that took over my life and my thinking and my identity. Um, and it was it was something that was very hard to climb out of. But es- essentially, um, I just didn't have uh, that sort of fundamental. Um, orientation of my own life around a, a strong sense of identity or self. Yeah. So that you yeah. keep, yeah. Thank you for using that word identity. Yeah. I think that's at the the core there. Tell me, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. And how would you describe your identity today? Yeah. Um, well, now I know certainly that my identity is in who God says I am. And if you're, if you're never introduced to the concept that you have a set identity beyond your circumstances, or your problems, or your struggles, you don't, you don't know that. And I didn't, I didn't have that. So I was kind of reaching to different places, some good and some bad, to get a sense of identity, relying on things like, you know, I always did very well in school. I always did very well in athletics. I, so looking at looking for things like accomplishments to give you a sense of self, but essentially all those things are temporary and they change Mm -hmm. and, and there's no, they're not a firm foundation on which to build your entire inner scaffolding. You need something stronger. And I found that through, through Jesus. Cool. Cool. Appreciate that. You said that, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm a little bit of an artist as well. And you said that God used art I think your words were he kind of reached into the like the dark mm-hmm. places uh, in your life. What what do you think art can? I mean, obviously God revealed some things to you about yourself through art. What, but what what would you say art can teach us about God? Well, I always I mean I always look at it this way: we were, we're created in God's image, and we're created by a creator mm. to be creative. I mean, mm. art is a is a fundamental part of of who we are, and whether you express that through like something that's literally could be qualified as the arts, whether it's, you know, painting or dancing or singing or drawing, that's, that's, that's one thing, but we all have the capacity to be creative because we all, we all desire to, 
express and leave a legacy and bring something good into the world. So when I'm engaged in the creative process, it just is a reminder that everything that I do as a creative person, it, it's a mirror of mm. what God is doing in my life and in our lives. And it, it is also very humbling because it, I am constantly reminded that I am not the author of my story. There mm. is a, there is a creator who is responsible for everything that happens in my life. And I am just the, the medium through which he, he works. It's, this isn't about me. This isn't about me. It's always, it's always the creative process. I'm the, I'm the work and he is the artist yeah. and, and being a creative person, living a creative life. I'm reminded of that metaphor all the time. It's just how I see the world now. Yeah, just as an aside, it reminds me of a book by Ravi Zacharias called The Grand Weaver. Highly recommend it. He he describes God as sort of like a a weaver introducing threads of things into our lives, and our job is to just weave them. Like, okay, so move a little to the left, move a little, just obey. Mm -hmm. You know, he's weaving. You just obey. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, beautiful thing. Um, You also mentioned God pursuing you. And I think a lot of us may use that phrase or have heard that phrase, but how do you know? How did you know God is, was pursuing you? Um, and how would maybe somebody here today or somebody watching this later on YouTube or listening to the podcast or whatever, how would they know God is pursuing them? How, how can you tell? Um, I would say there were like two kind of specific things that were where I was able to identify that process as, okay, this is God pursuing me. I, when I, when I got back from Peru, um, it, that experience kind of opened my eyes to the idea that I'm very lucky to have the life that I have. Mm -hmm. And my pain is, you know, is still valid. And there were still a lot of things in my life that I needed to work out, but, um, I just felt very, very lucky and fortunate. So what that experience did was it humbled me Mm -hmm. and it was God showing me something I would have otherwise never seen um, unless I kind of went, took the leap of faith and I, and I went and I, and I did that. Um, so, so it was what, what started happening basically when I got back, I would say was this inward change. The the way I started looking at life and the way I started thinking about my own life started changing. So it was like, God was kind of coming in and and changing the framework through which I looked at things. And that was a very gradual process. Um, but it was like it was like something other than me and my own thinking was trying to get my attention. Hmm. And it, it's easy to name that in hindsight, but when it was happening, it was just kind of this strange pull in a new direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and the second thing I would say is people. Um, I can definitely remember when I when I came to faith, when I started exploring, um, God put people in my life. Like I can look back on it so specifically people that I met at work, people that I'd known for a long time who were believers and they kind of came up alongside me Mm. in my story and not just um, helped me, but specifically pointed me towards God as, as the way and as my redeemer. And so I would say that, um, you know, if you feel, if, if you feel that God is pursuing you or, or calling you, one of the ways to to, to really know that is there just there were just things that were happening in my life that I could that could only say were orchestrated by by something much much bigger than me that was mm-hmm. trying to get my attention mm-hmm. yeah yeah so it I guess a takeaway would be 
slow down long enough to think about your thinking, yes. right? You, you know, you know, you said that you noticed that the way you were perceiving the world and yourself was shifting a little bit. Yeah. Not everyone would notice that, right? Yes. So, so I, I believe maybe Lauren, you, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but maybe you would encourage us to slow down and, and think about our thinking um, yes. a, a, li- a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And what I needed, I mean, what characterizes my, my story is 10 years ago, the way I thought about absolutely everything is, is so fundamentally different than the way I look at things now. You, everything starts with the way you perceive reality and mm-hmm. the only safe, true, uh, coherent way to do that is to get in the word and, and be changed by the gospel. No doubt, no doubt. So you, you described your approach to art as sort of uh, people seeing God's glory through your art. But when you say that, you also seem to indicate that you're, you, it's almost as if you see your life as art as well. So you're being creative, right? You're living your life, you're doing things, but it seems as though you see outside of what you paint or draw or illustrate or whatever, you see your life as something that you're crafting so that people can see the glory of God through your life. Can we talk a little bit more about that maybe? Yeah, well, like I had said, said before, it's like this ultimate re- realization that I am not the at, the... at the end of the day, at the end of my life, nobody's going to remember what I do, and mm. that's okay. Like, so we, we need something... Everybody needs their... Whether it's art or whatever you've been given to steward and cultivate has to point to something beyond yourself because we are so temporary and mm. so incapable of that that ultimate fulfillment it, it's only god that that makes anything we do worth anything it, it has to get we have to be able to know that we're here to give glory to something greater than just us yeah. and ourselves and so yeah i would i would say that you know no matter even if even if you don't see yourself as a you know quote unquote creative person whatever you've been given to cultivate or steward whether it's you know, a child, a marriage, um, a career, like whatever you have, you get to use as the creative vehicle to, to reveal who God is. Super good. Yeah. Super good. Appreciate that. Can we thank Lauren for sharing her story? Thank you. Yeah. So now we're going to move to Sherry Grubel and Sherry's story will be coming up on the screen. I was born into a abusive family and um, around two years old we were taken away and when I was about three my twin brother was being adopted and me and him got adopted into a family and then as time went on I uh, got sexually molested by a family member. My mom just kind of swept that under the rug, didn't do anything to that person. And, you know, things just, you know, started spiraling down from there. And as I grew up, um, little by little, you know, I was into drugs, alcohol, um, was in multiple abusive relationships, uh, mentally, physically, with females and males throughout my life. 
And at one point, you know, I was forced to become an escort because of, of Psycho X. I hated people, I hated life. I was praying for God to take me because I had tried to commit suicide multiple times in my life and failed miserably, you know. And then one day, me and my daughter um, got in this really big fight and she told me that she wanted her mother back, that I wasn't this mean and hateful person that I had become and that I had always taught her to love life and to love people and to help people. And she reminded me of who I really was. So after she left that night, sorry, after she left that night, I called out to the Lord, pulled my Bible off the shelf, and before I even opened it, he met me there. He came down at my room. And he showed me so much love and so much peace in that moment that I've never felt in my entire life. And he even showed me where he was in all those places where I didn't think he was there, that I thought it was me. And that he carried me through my whole life until that moment. Then I just dug into my Bible that night and let him speak to me that night. And he, he spoke loudly that evening. The next morning I uh, went to my daughter to tell her thank you. Um, she sat down and cried and stated that she uh, had been told 10 years ahead of time that she was gonna save my life and bring me back to Christ. And that blew me away that, that God knew 10 years ago that he was gonna use my daughter to save me. And I chose that day to turn around and go the other direction. Some things took work, but I totally, from that day forward, started reading my Bible, getting into His Word, and walk in a relationship with Him. I mean, God has set me free from the sins that I've committed, from, you know, uh, stealing, lying, cheating, adultery, and He has set me free from the hurt and allowed me to forgive those that hurt me. I have had church hurt in the past, but since I've joined Reach Life, you know, they've opened their arms with love and helped me grow as a Christian and also know that I'm loved, you know, because that's something I've not known my whole life. Even throughout the health issues that I've had over the last year, Christ has spoken to me in so many ways, you know, letting me know that He's with me. I have worship music going on 24-7 in my house, and my car. I'm constantly, every day, I get in the Word of God. And I have to say, since I started doing this and just filling myself with His Word, 
and in his worship music and getting in his presence and walking in a relationship with him. I am at peace even in my scary moments. And that is how I take every thought that comes against me and I put it at the foot of the cross. I'm like, Jesus, this is yours. This isn't my battle to fight. And the true work of the cross and who Christ is and what he does for us comes when you walk in a relationship with him. And when you really see the reality of the finished work of the cross, when Jesus said, it's finished, it is finished. No sin is too deep for Jesus. And the cross covers it all. Jesus is enough. How to preach, sister. So we're supposed to talk now, right? Good grief. Um, so th again, thank you for that, Sherry. Um, you mentioned early on in your testimony that you grew up in an abusive family and had... Um, many abusive relationships after that. Again, much like with Lauren's situation, that's something that, you know, people feel a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, and because of that and other reasons, people just don't talk about those sorts of things in, in, our, in our lives. Um, yet here you are openly talking about them. What's different what makes you feel the freedom to be able to, to speak about those things in your life? Um, well, you're right. Uh, for many years, I did hide from and lied about where I was in my life. Um, that was just something that I pushed down and pushed down. But that night when Jesus met me, he freed me of that. He washed me clean of all my sins. He showed me that. And in uh, Jeremiah 31, the last sentence of, I didn't write down the verse, so forgive me, but it's the last sentence, and I think it's verse 5, but don't quote me. But it says, For I will forgive their iniquities, and their sin I will remember no more. And that is something that God promises us, that once we accept Christ, that he will remember our sin no more. And um, by talking about these things, you know, me getting in the word, you know, seeing the heart of God and seeing what God thinks of me versus what everyone else <laughs> thinks of me showed me who I was, that I wasn't all these things that I thought I was. Um, it, you just, you see the heart of God. You see his love for you. You see the promises that he makes to each and every one of us. It's not just for me or her or him. The promises in the Bible are for all of us. And God speaks truth. He doesn't lie. And also going through different Bible studies and getting in his word. It says that we're supposed to share our stories. And in sharing those stories, when you speak it out, you're no longer pushing it in. You're no longer running from it. You're no longer hiding from it. 
And once you speak it out, it no longer binds you or chains you down or holds you to that sin or hurt. And by letting it go, it allows you to, one, forgive those that have hurt you. Two, forgive yourself. That's a big one, forgiving yourself, because we condemn ourselves more than anyone else. And three, then that allows God to start healing you. And God has healed so many places in my heart. Some things take a little longer, but he will heal you if you give him that opportunity and give it to him. And by talking about it also allows you to show other people that they're not alone and you can begin a dialogue so they can begin to see God and what Jesus did for every one of us so that they can and you can receive that love and healing as well. You guys see, I appreciate that, Sherry. You guys see a common theme here that, Sherry, what I hear you saying is that uh, because the good news about Jesus, the gospel, is true, you don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to pretend to be something that you're not. You can be real. And Jesus says, and here's the, here's the great thing. Here's another thing I hear you saying. Jesus says that what is real is that your identity is new, right? He says, if the Son set you free, you're free indeed. Yes. And Jesus says he'll make all things new, and he starts with us. <laughs> it's incredible, right? It's incredible. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So in Christ, we're the righteousness of God. If, if we've placed our trust in what Jesus has done on the cross, you, in your testimony, you said that what Jesus' work on the cross is finished. That means that your identity, because you've placed your faith in him, is set for eternity. You're a child of God, Sherry. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Um, see, you get me. I'm preaching now. Okay, I apologize. Let me go back to you. Okay. Um, you mentioned uh, that there are several points in your life um, early on where you actively uh, wanted your life to end. And... Um, but today, Sherry, in spite of your struggles physically, I see you as somebody full of life. Like when you're around, it's your life giving, right? You you bring life to people, you know. And in my own struggles, I can tell you, you're in a tremendous encouragement to me. And so, there's been a there's been this shift in your life where previously you are actively asking God to take you. Right now, we know that in, in, if we're saved, if in Christ, to die is gain. We get to go to heaven. But now you see your life as having purpose and intention, and God has things that he wants to do in other people's lives through you. That's, that's a major shift. So I say all that to ask you, talk more about that. What You said that you find, um, even in your difficulties, it was getting into God's Word that has, has given you this sort of peace in this uh, season that you're in in your life through these physical struggles. What did you find, Sherry, in the Bible that gives you that sort of peace? Specifically, what did you see in God's Word that made that difference for you? Well, one, I learned to look at life. One, I learned to look at life through God's lenses. 
instead of my distorted, broken, messed up lenses. Um, getting in his word again, you know, shows you his promises, his heart, his love. Um, surrounding yourself with uh, people that love God um, has also helped me grow and um, and learning how to love again. Because I, when I came to Christ, I didn't know how to love. I found it very hard to love people. But getting in his word and praying and talking to God just showed me how to love again, you know, and start opening up myself again. Um, just, there's so many things. I mean, I, I could take you to multiple scriptures. I could talk all day long about the things that God has shown me. You know, you ask and you will receive. Sometimes you don't always get your answers right then, but God will show you the way. He will show you everything. I mean, he will guide you each step. He will give you peace and comfort. He will teach you. He will change you. Um, can, can I, can I, I build on? Let me go ahead. I want to build on that. I have learned some of my most valuable lessons in him pruning me. Um, has humbled me on so many levels. Um, great healing. Um, to know, and he is more than more than every day. When when I first got diagnosed with this, I couldn't work. I couldn't. My whole life just turned upside down. But yet, God has provided my every need, every moment, every step of the way in this last year. Even sometimes, I didn't even have to ask; it was there. He has shown his faithfulness over and over again. Hey, just, you know, between his word and his faithfulness, and he's just given me so much peace. I know that he's with me every step of the way. I know that the finished work of the cross covers everything from my past. It's... There's just so much freeing in that and peace in that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Even when you're scared. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, no doubt. Um, you mentioned in there, Sherry, um, in what you're just saying now, that the Lord taught you how to love again. That you weren't, you felt you didn't realize it, but you weren't able to to really love well. And 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 to me, uh, you love our our church family here very well. And we all love you. Um, but you mentioned in your testimony in the video that you had been hurt by the church in the past. And that, that I tremble as one of the pastors here because we're not above hurting people either, sadly. We're sinners, people. We're sinners too. Um, yet here, here we are doing life together, being vulnerable together. You are, uh, you've opened yourself up to love and be loved by this church family. Um, that's sadly, the, the church hurt thing is sadly a common, it's common, right? So I want to hear from you. What would you say to people out there who have maybe been hurt by the church uh, or 
are being hurt by, you know, it's like when, when people who claim the name of Jesus don't act like Jesus. And all of us fall into that sometimes, right? Um, but what, what would you say to someone who is maybe separated from being involved in a, in a biblically rooted church body, maybe because they've been hurt in the past by Jesus's bride? And they kind of throw that on Jesus, right? Uh, what, what, would you, what would you say to them? Um, I've been through multiple church hurts throughout my life. Every time I reached out to try to come closer to the Lord or, you know, I had my kids, wanted to bring them, you know, and to the Lord, um, but kept getting hurt. Um, and that pushed me away from not just church, but Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's why it took so long for me to truly find him, because I quit looking. It was just a short four years ago when he found me. Um, but uh, what he has shown me since then is that when you're going and seeking a church, there is no perfect church out there. People will hurt you in one way or another, disappoint you or let you down because we are sinful and fallen. That's true. Um, so don't let those things take you away from Christ or seeking Christ. Um, seek God. Get in his word. Seek him in prayer and continue. If this church isn't the church for you, Go to another church, because just because this church here may hurt you doesn't mean the next one will hurt you. Um, God will lead you if you seek his direction in trying to find a church. Because when I came to Christ, even after I came to the Lord, I was still being persecuted and rejected by churches before I found Reach Life. But I was determined that I was going to find a church. And I went to church and I was like, I'm not going to pay attention to what people think of me. I'm going to hear God's word. So I would focus on God's word and not the things around me. And when God told me to leave, I'd leave and go search another church. And also... um, Don't give up on Jesus. Um, God didn't give up on us. Even before we were formed in our mother's womb, he knew the mistakes that we were going to make, the paths that we were going to take, the trials and the tribulations, the persecution. He knew all this before we were even formed in our mother's womb. And he didn't give up on us. And Jesus didn't give up on us either. He went to that cross and was obedient to his father so that he could redeem us to our father. That's good. That's good. Appreciate that, Sherry. Uh, yeah, so the takeaway is Jesus is the hero, isn't he? Right? Um, and that life is a team sport. Right? It's not golf. Uh, it's football. Right, we need people blocking for us, and we need to run plays, and right, we're strength in numbers. Um, so we're grateful. Yeah. I would like to add. Um, and God also calls us to be in fellowship. Yeah, no doubt. With one another, 
So when we are down, that we can lift each other up and pray for each other and be there for each other. That's true. So that's our part of being obedient to the Lord, is getting in a community and sharing life together. And I have to say that Reach Life has definitely shared life with me and helped me grow and get closer to my Heavenly Father. Amen. Praise God. Can we thank Sherry for sharing her testimony? So now we will move to Lilia Chernos, and Lilia's testimony will be coming up on the screen. father was imprisoned in Moscow because he was very active leader of the church. He was a youth leader. And even in this situation, hard situation, when he was abused and persecuted, he was so faithful. And this faith was apparently passed on to me and my family. I was born in Ukraine in 1968 when persecution was very harsh on Christians. My mom and my dad told me that my life will be not so easy and joyful. And each time when I went to school, it was a trial for me. All of the students, they knew who am I and they tried to make me, my like, miserable. So my life was filled with um, persecution, but um, even in the midst of this, my mom and dad encouraged me to rejoice, and uh, they taught me how to pray for my enemies. In my home, my dad organized underground church during this time, and I knew somehow something is wrong. If God would not exist, nobody was hunting us, but it was something special about to believe in Jesus Christ. Even though we had persecution in our underground church, we had joy that we were together with Christ. And the Word of God was our encouragement. Many Christians, they had no Bibles at all. This is what only was the time when they were able to hear the Word of God. So we sang together and then we prayed. And we received lots of prayers uh, from all over the world. And this is, was such a big encouragement for me to know that I'm not alone. And all of Christians are invisibly interconnected with each other across the ocean. I remember when I was in high school, my sister and I, we were running away from the police, burying ourselves in the snow hiding in the sheds, escaping through the window, and um, we tried to survive. And one moment that I will remember forever and ever, how my principal told me, just leave your faith. We're gonna give you full package of benefits. We will enroll you in the best university. We're gonna give you the best uh, references. Just betrayed your faith. 
And it was a moment when I supposed to decide what I have to do with this. And I told my principal, I will not betray my faith and my Jesus. And in this time, I could not say nothing. I just was praying, I was relying on God, and I knew my God is my refuge. In 1986, I graduated high school and I was enrolled in medical school. But it's never happened because um, the secret police, they knew who am I, and they just kicked me from university. But I was encouraged again. God has planned for me. He has something special. He wants to be glorified. And, and this year, actually, Soviet Union fell apart. Churches, they were reopened. And I remember, like, I took my guitar and other young people, we just went to the square park and we were just worshiping Jesus over there. And people were so hungry. They wanted to hear truth. They were asking us questions. And we told them scripture and story of God. This was the biggest joy in my life. I could not believe it. It was such encouraging that Jesus was glorified. And Ukraine was never the same. Later, I understood what Jesus said. If they persecute him, they will persecute us as a Christians. Because we are not from this world. As a Jesus, he was not from this world. That's why persecution is Okay, if Jesus went through persecution, why we cannot go through persecution? It's not a bad thing. It is makes you stronger. It will make you to rethink many things, to appreciate many things. And I know it's not by accident because He is glorified. Good stuff. Good stuff. Lilia, you talked about um, persecution in Ukraine at that time where your dad had to even start a, a secret church. You guys um, were under threat of the police. You had to hide in sheds and uh, you were kind of bribed to renounce your faith. And it was pretty difficult to be a Christian at the time. And you knew going in, into it, your life was going to be hard. They, they told you that. Um, but you said that in spite of that difficulty, you had joy, which sounds weird, right? They seem to not uh, go together. What, help us to know what it feels like, because we don't experience that here. Help us to know what it, it feels like to be in the midst of, of real persecution and hardship, but precisely because of your faith, yet have joy in the Lord. What's that like? Um, so many years passed, and when I received this message to share my story, um, to be honest, I started to cry, because many things I forgot. And the Holy Spirit that day when I received the message started to tell me, hey, that's happened with you. Go ahead and share with boldness. Persecution, it's a thermometer. 
how to love and how to be courage in Jesus Christ. So I remember the day when the principal, I was in high school, she called me and she said, you are live in darkness because you're so uneducated. And I was looking at her and thinking, what, I can, what else I can tell her? And I remember that I would say this was supernatural. I don't know. It came from me such incredible peace and joy hmm. that I just immediately opened my mouth and started to share the gospel with her. <laughs> and this is what it's written. Do not worry what to say. Holy Spirit will give you words. Hmm. And she was looking at me, and she said, okay, you may go now, back to your room. <laughs> and I will tell you the story. About 2009, I decided to use my Facebook or something else, media. And I thought, let me see, maybe I can find my persecutor, <laughs> my mm. principal. And this was a miracle. I'm telling you, today, this morning, I just remember that. I found her, and I wrote, I wrote her letter. And I thought I, she will never get it, but she actually wrote me back. And you would not believe it, what she wrote. She said, Lilia, I am your sister. Hmm. I was shocked. I would not believe it. I would not believe it. And it's immediately that joy that I had mm. back then the returned mm. back to me. Mm. It's kind of like coloration of what's happened when Stephen was beaten, stoned, mm. and Paul was there. Persecution has price. I didn't know back then. Mm. So mm. it was interesting. And she, in this letter, she told me that um, she was blind. And now she's a missionary for orphans with her husband. And she said, I'm your sister. Wow. And she lives Praise somewhere God. near the border with Russia. So it's interesting. So it is glory to God. Amen. See, I didn't, I didn't know that story <laughs> until just now, but it goes to exactly what I was going to ask you it's next. It happened actually just yeah, yeah. this morning. Okay, yeah. I remember that. Praise God. Um, <laughs> you said that you had enemies specifically because of your faith, but that you prayed for them. Yes. And the story you just shared kind of gives some answer to my question, but why should we pray for our enemies? Jesus said, he told us and gave us such a strong statement, pray for your enemies, love them. So, and that's when I understood that my fight, not against blood or flesh, my mm -hmm. fight, according to Ephesians 6, against the spirits, against the devil, by my faith in Jesus Christ. That's why each time when I was going to school or medical school or whenever, um, it was multiple uh, sessions when I was emotionally and physically abused, I just was praying, praying for that person, praying inside with love and with the help of Holy Spirit. Yeah. He gave me courage. It's not me. It's not about me, actually. It's about him. Yeah. Yeah. You guys hear that common thread uh, here? Yeah. Very good. Um, you said something in, early on in the video I thought was really profound. You said, if God didn't exist, why would they be persecuting us this way? It was really interesting uh, to me because, you know, atheistic governments don't persecute people for believing in fairy tales like Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy or Easter Bunny or whatever, yet what they would call a fairy tale, Christianity, they're going to persecute you and outlaw it and make it illegal, right? So what, what's, the, what's different 
in your mind, with Christianity? Why is Christianity so different? Of course it's different. Because Peter said, you are purchased. You are priesthood. You're a special nation. You Mm. are different. Even the word persecution from Greek means separated, divided. Mm. You are different. I knew that, that I'm different. I knew that people don't like light. They don't like salt because when mm. it's wrapped into your skin, it hurts, irritates you. I knew that. And um, I knew that um, I live by the Holy Spirit and not live in sin. I knew that Jesus paid that price. And somehow I knew that uh, Bible can answer all of this life's important question. Who am I? What am I doing here? Where I'm going? So, and all of these questions and all of these statements, I started to think, if it's a fairy tale, why are they hiding Bible from me? We had only one Bible. And I remember like KGB, actually, it's a secret police, came to my house at 6 o'clock a.m., and my sister, she was trained well than me, and she started to say something. We had little codes, actually, like password. And <laughs> she uh, woke me up, and, and she threw all of big boxes of Bible through the window. And the police came, and they started to look. We, we know that you received Bible from Poland. As they missed it, this part. And my sister said, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, but anyway, and I'm like, Uh Uh-huh, you are hiding, devil, something hiding from us, truth. Mm. That's when I uh, found myself that I need Jesus. Something is about Jesus, something that about God, Mm. something is about truth. That's good. And Soviet Union was hiding God, freedom, salvation from its citizens. Yeah, that's good. Our sin nature wants to, doesn't feel the need to suppress fairy tales, does it? Uh, but it's the truth that tells us we are in need of salvation yes. um, that we want to suppress individually and as governments, right? We, we yeah. want to suppress what's true. The, the other, and I'm sure you'd say this, the other great thing is that the gospel is true. Not only are we sinners, that's half of it. The other half is we can be redeemed. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Redemption, it's my favorite part. Yeah. So, and being and knowing that um, we have to be different and separated. And yet we need to be bold. I started to search those questions mm. and reading more scripture, which is fundamental truth and authority no for me. No doubt. One last question for you, and I'll let you off the hot seat. Um, you really have a, a great appreciation that I get, and I think people got it from the video as well, about um, being able to worship God openly and tell other people's other people about Jesus in an open way. I think we here in the U.S. sort of take that for granted. Um, What would you say to us? All who wants to live godly life will be persecuted, Mm -hmm. y'all and shall. Mm -hmm. Did I say it correctly, y'all? Y'all, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I tried to be a civilian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure will. Yeah. So um, I know United States never had persecution, but I'm telling you, it's coming. It's maybe already happened. Mm. And I heard something from uh, Sherry. She said word persecution from her church. Mm. 
Mm. It could be happen in three levels, like your personal family, your work, you, government, religious freedom. Mm. So it can happen anytime. So I'm telling you, if you will separate yourself, means you will live righteous life. Righteous means to do what is right. You will be persecuted. Mm-hmm. I can tell you how you can avoid persecution. Just don't live a godly life. Mm-hmm. Just try to fit in. Just try to be politically corrected. Just try to be, you know, kind of like between. But if you will be nicely with love, not uh, wild or odd, this is different. Don't don't be odd. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Be righteous and move with compassion and love like Jesus. Yeah. He did. He moved with compassion and love. So of course you will be persecuted. And mm-hmm. but that's okay. As I said, it's a thermometer. It yeah. can show, it can represent your faith, your love, mm-hmm. your courage. Takes your spiritual temperature, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think we have to pray. And I believe in prayer of the saints. I remember like Peter was in jail and church, how church prayed earnestly, mm-hmm. devoted. So prayer, it's a big thing. Yeah. Next one, what I would say to Americans, to, to you uh, saints and to you church, it is awareness. We have to know how to love and how to fight not against blood or flesh, but again, spirit, Mm. stay in unity, be united under God, under Jesus. Amen. Amen. So who knows? Time time may may come and apparently it's not going to be persecution like I did in Ukraine. It's going to be a little bit different. But Jesus would be with us anyway. But he will be with us and don't be afraid to be persecuted. Yeah. That's okay. Good work. Hey, can we thank these ladies for sharing their stories today? Yeah.